Welcome back, folks. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh, and we are here to close out Loki Season 2 in its entirety here today. We are bringing you our rankings episode. Super excited. We've got a lot of categories to bring, and we uh, this is one of our favorite things to do at the end of all of our series is really finish it out, have fun with it. It's one of our best types of episodes that we've ever done on the show, and here we are again to do it for Loki Season 2. And before we really dive into what those rankings are going to be today, I'm going to turn the floor to Chase to say a few words, and then we're going to get right into it. It's going to be a fun one, man, <laughs> for sure. So uh, these are always our favorite episodes because we really get to uh, dive into the entirety of the series as a whole, which is awesome. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of a lot of off the cuff, too. So uh, excited for you. I mean, it's kind of sad we won't see loki until maybe next year who knows maybe it's going to be in one of the marvel films coming up but uh it was a it was a great series and season overall from what we've seen so malice in the chalice man i'll let you kick us off today brother cheers cheers buddy All right, so to start out today, we are going to dive into our first category. We're going to rank our listed episodes from our, I want to say least favorite, because we all agree that the Loki season two is pretty good overall. So I hate when I say least favorite as if like it's terrible, but we're going to rank it from the one we enjoyed the least to the one we enjoyed the most. And so for me to go back here and start at my number six episode i am going to give the number six ranking to episode one episode one was a good starting place but it there was a lot of it left a lot of questions of course that they got answered later on but it was almost confusing in a way let's just say you only watched the first episode of season two and you didn't continue on right away you'd be a little bit confused of like okay well how did this happen like at the very end where loki magically got pruned right at the right time and you didn't see who pruned him or how he got to that spot so it was it it had left a little bit of questions which is good as as the series unfolded it as the season unfolded it answered it and that's exactly what you wanted to do and i thought it was cool to be introduced to ouroboros he was an interesting character he actually turned out to be one of my favorites throughout the season and i will say that you know, not, nothing wrong with episode one. It just, just I, I, I had said it consistently throughout our recaps and and our evaluations of each episode that it almost seemed as if each episode got a little bit better as it went on. So for me, my number six ranking went to episode one. What about you, brother? Great minds think alike, man. I mean, I have episode one for my number six spot and Same thing. It's not that it was a bad episode. I mean, you had some cool moments. This is, you know, right at where it picked up right after last season. And no one knows who Loki is, but he's recognizing everyone there. You know, you see a lot of the time slipping. And, of course, Ouroboros makes his, like, big appearance in this one, which was really cool. But just for because, honestly, like, I mean, I guess you can say pure opinion, but some of them were a little bit more intense with action and in more moments coming up that were very uh, significant to the series. I just ranked it at number six. What about your number five, Jay Nelly? Yeah, number five for me, I'm giving it to episode two. And this was a fun episode. It was called Breaking Brad for our 
Hunter X5. He turned into an actor, famous actor Brad Wolf. And the very beginning parts of this episode were a lot of fun where they had the little chase down. Brad Wolf tried to give him the slip. And we had this whole cat and mouse game back and forth before Loki was able to use some of the shadow magic. And they corralled X5 and were able to end up eventually breaking him in the interrogation room where they he gave up Sylvie's location, took them to took them to her eventually. And so I thought it was really cool that we got to see what other people would do if they had their opportunity on the timeline outside of the, the sacred or the TVA timeline. So I, I, I think that this one was a fun, lighthearted episode. The action was funny. And even got that part where, you know, you thought Loki was going to be the one to snap when X5 was going through all like the shit talking. But it actually ended up being Mobius who broke character because he got upset and it lost control. So thought it was really cool that uh, and then, you know, that, that funny part in the McDonald's towards the end when he was like, uh, yeah, well, look at how, how far we came. We're enjoying me like a gentleman. Like I was yelling at you. You were yelling at me. Look how far we got. I thought that shit was hilarious. And I, I, I think it did build on the story and then building up on the story from episode one, like it's supposed to, I gave my number five spot to episode two. What about your number five spot? Great minds think alike, man. It's funny how this always happens, at least for the time being. <laughs> but episode two is what I put as my number five spot for all the reasons you said. You nailed it. Uh, personally, I thought it was one of... Um, I don't want to say it was like one of my favorite moments, but I really enjoyed the moment when Mobius snapped because at first you thought it was Loki that was going to snap again. And he really kept his cool. And you got to admit that torture box device was really awesome and uh i mean it just goes to show how mobius as well really tries to appreciate the small things in life like as he was talking to hunter x5 just like you said like he was eating fries <laughs> like just enjoying a nice meal together meanwhile hunter x5 is like in his jail clothes <laughs> so i thought it was great man so uh episode two is number five for me uh what about your next one brother yeah, my number four spot, I'm going right up the line up to this point. I'm going to episode three. I thought episode three was really cool because we got a little bit introduced to the different timelines. I mean, obviously, we got a different timeline last episode with Brad Wolf, but now we're going back into Chicago. And we get to meet up with our guy, Victor Timely, for the first time. He's kind of a swindler. He's got all these great inventions and ideas. And thought it was really cool how he they were like presenting and he was showing a little bit of a mock-up of how things were supposed to work but the technology hadn't quite caught up with the times just yet and he's sitting there selling it to other like the, like the guy who was really rich and ended up screwing him over and they ended up having this whole uh escape and trying to get away and then Sylvie makes an appearance, tries to take Victor Timely out and Loki and then have this big battle on the damn Ferris wheel. I thought the whole dang episode was really cool. It definitely was a build up. We finally found a variant of He Who Remains, which is going to be uh, integral to the storyline. Oh, at least it was up until, you know, who knows what's going on with Marvel now. But I it, thought it, it did, again, pick up more from episode two. It was it had more action. It built on the storyline and it was a really good episode. So for me, my number four spot went to episode three, man. What about you? I see. Yeah, this is where ours differ just a little bit. 
<clears throat> not much because you're going to give me a really hard time for this. <laughs> My number four, I put episode six. It was good. But, and you had a lot of really good, like, moments there with uh, Loki saving the timeline. And you had that moment where his uh, horns grew and you got to see the, uh, you know, I guess the iconic outfit of him in his king on the throne costume, I would say. Uh, But, I mean, there was nothing wrong with this episode. I truly enjoyed it in the full circle moments that I mentioned last week on how, you know, Loki, it was really a full circle moment for him because he sacrificed selfishness of what he wanted to be with his friends. So that way they can go back to the timelines where they would live a happy life. And you had that badass moment where he was fighting Sylvie. And, you know, really, you can't change the future. But he chose not to kill her because he's not a killer. He's not a murderer, at least right now. (laughs) From before, he's definitely changed a lot, right? But... For that sheer reason, just because personal preference, I guess. And I think it really threw me off. Like, the jump through a bunch of, like, hundreds of years. Uh, I put it at number four for episode six. So, is what it is. Uh, I'm not expecting everyone to like that. But uh, this is my rankings, not yours. <laughs> Back to you, Jay Nelly. <laughs> yeah, I think you're a little wild for that one. That's pretty low for episode <laughs> six, but that's okay. To go into my next here, my number three ranked spot, I gave it to episode five. I thought episode five was cool because this is the one where after the events from the previous one, I don't want to give it away because, you know, rankings and all, but uh, it was after the big uh, little mindfuck happened. This is the first time where in this rankings, I did not go in chronological order. I, I, I flipped it and I went with episode five here for my number three spot. And it was. It, I thought they had really cool Easter eggs. They had the whole Escape from Alcatraz comparisons. I thought that was really cool. Even they used the right names for like Frank. And then we got to see where everyone uh, was on the timeline, like on their regular path, what their life was like. We had B-15. She was a nurse or some sort of medical practitioner in some way, shape, or form. We had... Or Boris, who wanted to be a best-selling author, he was writing books and trying to check out his own books at the library and buy his own stuff. Thought that was hilarious. Then we had Mobius; he was a jet ski salesman. He, uh, you know, the, I thought that was really cool because that really brought us back from uh, season one of Loki, where he was always talking about the jet ski. And then we also ended up grabbing Sylvie. She was doing her little McDonald's uh, work as well. Still being employee of the month over there at Mickey D's. <laughs> and I just thought this episode was really cool. And then it was really important and integral to the storyline because at the end of episode five, Loki learned how to time slip. And when he learned how to time slip, I, I shouldn't say he learned how to time slip, but he learned how to control his time slipping is a better way to put that. And that really leads to the events of what's to come not only further on in this season and series but also probably in other future works of marvel so episode five was super important but there was just a couple episodes i liked a little bit more so from that reason my number three ranking went to episode five what about you brother we're back on the same track now after my outlandish <laughs> Polonia's statement there on my last <laughs> ranking. But yeah, man, right with you. Uh, number three on my list 
was episode five. And uh, the big reason I did here, and it was close with, it was really close with my number two and number three, but I put it at number three just because I, I like number two a little bit more, but mainly for the reason it got so high on there is because of the moment, like you said, you know, the whole jet ski moment that we've been waiting for with Mobius since season one. And uh, it was funny how they did it too, because remember Ouroboros just kind of shows up out of nowhere as he's talking to Mobius and telling him how he's his friend. And he's like, oh yeah, like I, you know, my life, my wife left me and I hit rock bottom, but I got everything fixed that you wanted. But it was a great episode, man. So number three, I put episode five. Uh, What about your next one? I think that, this, like I said, I only flipped these two. So for me, I think that this is important to state is I have a specific mindset and I tend to really enjoy the episodes where it looks like, oh shit, the good guys are fucked. And with that being said, my number two spot went to episode four. The episode four was kind of like the Empire Strikes Back, the Infinity Wars of of, the, of, of this season. Because they did all they could. We got Renslayer brought back in. She's sitting there trying to uh, recruit Docs and her Minutemen. They they actually did the right thing and said, hey, we're looking at the bigger picture here. We're out. Miss Minutes and Ravona are like, all right, cool. Then they kill him in the box-crushing thing. And then X5, he decides he still wants to pursue brad wolf so he took her side a little bit and we had this whole race to victor timely and how we're gonna get this whole throw up a multiplier to work and you know and we finally do it to the point because sylvie comes in helps them out does a whole enchantment sort of deal and we get to see uh the full circle moments of like i said the when we got the pruning of Loki back in episode one, we got to see exactly how that went. The whole Sylvie comes out of the elevator nonsense. We got to see where that kind of picked up from. So episode four had a lot of this all built together and you had this whole real excitement. You're like, yes, okay, they're doing it. They're doing it. And then we get out there and all of a sudden he steps out on that gangway. I'm talking about Victor Timely and he ends up getting burst into ribbons. And then all of a sudden they have no shot to stop this thing from exploding and then finally the loom explodes and then everything starts to end and the screen cuts to white so you don't even know how it ended at this you're like holy shit did everyone just die like yo we had a whole good plan like everything went to plan and they were just too late and that's what i mean until we find out a little bit later that really didn't matter but in any event that was the whole thing is we have this plan we we were successful in building all this stuff. We got the the temporal aura scan. The doors are unlocked. We got the the whole thoroughbred multiplier with the prototype that Victor Tommy put in, and so that way we knew that this was gonna jump right into the loom and spread the rings open, and we were gonna be good to go. Except when he stepped on there, immediately dissolved into ribbons, and then they were like sitting ducks. They had nothing to do except stand there in shock and awe as everything ended and the screen cut to white. So I thought that was fucking awesome. If you like watch that, you think everything is gone to shit and, and you are left with what the hell are they going to do now? And so it was actually very close between this and the one I ranked number one. I almost put this as number one. It was a very, very close ranking for me. But for all the reasons I just went over, 
episode four got my number two spot what about you my man great minds think alike this is crazy we're picking up trends because i feel like <laughs> recently when we've done rankings episodes uh we've been getting pretty much on the same page here because that's ex- uh exactly what i have number two i got episode four for that same reason and everyone knows me on this show like i'm the sith targaryen so i love it when the bad guys win because i think it's non-traditional if i had it my way anakin skywalker would have cut obi-wan down unfortunately it didn't go that way but for exactly all the reasons jay nelly said uh you know i gotta put this one at number two uh especially for that moment where miss minutes one of my faves decided to basically kill everyone in the entire room and uh you never i think it's personally a plot hole but you never heard from hunter x5 again but i'm assuming he just became a celebrity superstar uh but you nailed it all the exact reasons i put as number four so i won't go beat a dead horse but it was a badass episode man what's your number one i I think i might know (laughs) right there's only one more it could be yeah my number one spot goes to episode six and this is actually funny because i hope everyone realizes and if you've watched and listened to our show from the beginning we never go over our rankings together before we present them live so when we're presenting our rankings it's stuff that like, I, I don't know what he's going to do he could have done it in the complete opposite order i have no idea so the fact that they aligned up this well it's kind of crazy and on top of that it just seemed as if you and i flipped one i obviously you know where i ranked episode three and i can assume where you ranked yours but point being is other than one difference of opinion in episode our rankings align exactly and that never usually happens but for me my number one spot goes to episode six the reason it goes to episode six for me is simply because it tied everything together so well and you really got to see loki in his character progression when he finally makes the decision to uh, do something not for himself you know he's always been that selfish deity that you know, wants to be king, wants to rule over everything. You know, he even tried so many different ways to still make sure he could kind of not have, like, like he wanted everything to, he still wanted what he wanted, and he wanted his friends to, to survive and, and all that, and he didn't want to be alone. But he ended up making a really tough choice on what he was going to do and how he was going to, you know, work about it. He, this whole episode, they were trying. He ended up going back in time to learn everything there is to know about engineering and mechanics and physics. He kept time slipping back and back and back. You even got to the point where the screen said centuries later because he asked Obi and Casey how and Victor Timely how long it would take if he needed to know everything that they know about physics, mechanics, and engineering. And they're like, "Well, it's going to be centuries." So he's like, "All right." So he took all those centuries to learn, thinking that all they really had to do was make sure that they got there with enough time to shoot the multiplier into the loom and, and widen the loom. Ends up doing that, and it still doesn't matter because there's a, you can't scale for infinite. All the branches still kept going out, and they wasted all that time for nothing. So then he's like, okay, I got to go back earlier before Sylvie killed 
he remains and he goes back there and he has this big old battle with Sylvie and, and trying to stop her from killing him without killing her and it's just unsuccessful. She ends up finding a way to kill him every single time and he can't stop her and he it, it, it just gets uh, exhausted and finally he even tells he remains like, are you just going to sit there? And then he remains, stops time. They had that big conversation. They've got that little chess match going and Loki says like, he's going to make the decision to change the equation and what he had to do, he went back in time to that first episode and season one of Loki where he sat down with Mobius and Mobius was going through his whole life story trying to break Loki down and he had ended up telling Loki the story about how they had to kill an eight-year-old boy and he hesitated for a little bit and in that hesitation it caused branches and other hunters died and things because this they, he couldn't make that choice so he had to figure out how he was going to live with it and Loki at that point makes the decision and he has to decide well, there's only one way to go about this. We have to make sure he remains, stays alive. So I've, I've got to kill Sylvie. So he goes back in to, again to the part where it's uh, in episode five where they are on their regular parts in the timeline when in the room where everyone dissolves in ribbons and it's just Loki and Sylvie. And she's like, well, I'm not just going to let you kill me. And, <laughs> and they had this whole conversation of, you know, you have to give us a chance to, like, you should give them a chance to die trying and die fighting. And I think that changed Loki's mind in that moment because from there, he times was back to the original point where they were trying to get to the gangway and throw the throw a multiplier through the loom. And then he walks out himself. He walks straight through. And, and this is part where all his clothes strip off and he's got the Asgard armor, the antler helmet. And he, and he ends up with his magic destroying the loom himself and grabbing all the branches and sitting down. And all of a sudden now, he is the king on the throne holding all the damn ribbons there. But it wasn't the way he thought. But it was the biggest sacrifice he could have made and the most selfless sacrifice he could have made an action that he took and all of that together to give them all a chance did something for somebody else other than himself and that character progression he had from where we saw him in the first avengers movie where he sent an alien army to new york city to try to take over earth it's it was just an amazing uh, run of a full like i don't even say full circle but uh, of where he's come and how far he he's really grown as an individual so for all those reasons there was no choice for me but to put episode six at my number one spot all right, my man, what about you? What's your number one, brother? Episode six was good, but not as good as episode three, baby. Let's go. We're stepping back to 1893 Chicago, motherfucker. It was badass, guys. You had the whole fight with Sylvie in, like, the Ferris wheel. You had the newspaper as they're coming in. Let's start from the whole beginning, right? You had Ravonna Renslayer delivering what was in like an envelope or a package of some sort to miss minutes didn't know what it was we find out that comes in full circle later on <laughs> and uh, miss minutes is there where you almost wonder if she set up this plan from the beginning because you see in the newspaper when mobius and loki gets there that the town has been terrorized by some sort of ghost so after the ferris wheel incident with sylvie and loki they wind up getting away because Miss Minutes, oh, Miss Minutes is so awesome, turns into the ghost clock, they escape, then right when you think like the episode is going to slow down, they go all the way back to Victor Timely's like lab thing, even after, you know, you find out he's been working on some like weird chairs and stuff, and they kind of catch up for a minute, but then in the lab, you have this like showdown that happens, right, with, uh, 
after Renslayer's been cut off from the boat because Miss Minutes and Victor Timely to do decide to do their own thing and just straight up, you know, just betrayed her, really, is what you can call that. But then you have this showdown with Ravana with the prune stick coming after Victor Timely, gonna mess up the entire thing. Uh, Miss Minutes, after she confessed her love <laughs> for Victor, didn't see that one coming. That threw me for a loop. But uh, Mobius and Loki get there, but they're not going to be able to stop Rovana. And Sylvie comes in to save the day. And we've kind of been wondering what's going on with Sylvie at this moment. And we haven't seen her at all, really, after she's been left over by the Ferris wheel. Comes out of nowhere with like a sword facing Rovana. They get into it, and she still makes the decision to let Victor Timely go through the time door. And then, of course, Ravana gets sent to the He Who Remains timeline. But it was fucking awesome. Same reason, same sort of idea why I ranked episode four as number two. Because I always love it when the bad guys win. And you can't really say they won in this instance. So it was kind of like a draw because Sylvie saved the day. That's only because Sylvie's good graces are technically the bad guys still would have won. Because her ass would have killed him again. She would have killed He Remains and Victor Timely. And, uh, you know, then we're in a much worse situation. And everyone's, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it at that point. So for that reason, episode three... Ah, that was great. That that took my number one spot. You want to go through your rankings, Jay Nelly? Yeah, man. So to bring it back to the ranked order of episodes for myself, I ranked episode one at number six, episode two at number five, episode three at number four, episode five at number three, episode four at number two, and my number one spot went to episode six. What about yours, man? My number six spot, I have episode one. Number five, I have episode two. Number four, episode six. Number three, episode five. Number two, episode four. And for my number one spot, episode three, because Sylvie saved the day. Back to you, Jay Nelly. All right, man. Let's move on into our next category. This one's going to be kind of fun. We are going to be ranking the timelines that we saw on screen. And we've never done a timelines ranking before, even though we've covered a few different works in the multiverse. So this is going to be really interesting. So since I was the one to start us off with the last category, Chase, go ahead and start with your number five ranked timeline. Number five, people will probably disagree with me on this too, but... Nothing against it. I thought it was good, but I just put like the present day timeline, or maybe you'd call it the sacred timeline. It's the post TVA destruction timeline. So the one where Loki gets everyone together. I didn't think anything was bad about it. It was really cool. It played a lot of significant importance. Probably one of the most important timelines, but this is not a ranking of most important timelines. And that's why it, 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 came in last for damn sure back to you jay nelly you're so disrespectful oh, <laughs> oh i'm upset about same that. thing with number six maybe i should have put episode six a little lower on my list 
can't stand you half the time. All right, so for me, my number five spot, I gave it to Sylvie's McDonald's timeline, which was 1987 in Broxton, Oklahoma. The reason why this came in last is because Sylvie, it's just ironic. Sylvie is a god. She is a god of mischief. She's a variant of Loki. And she decides to take all those powers and all that special ability. She's almost one of a kind in a way. And she's just going to work in the middle of fucking Oklahoma at a McDonald's. So uh, I I thought it was ironic and it was enough to get on the list, but no higher. For me, my number five spot went to Sylvia's McDonald's timeline. Again, that was 1987 in Broxton, Oklahoma. Go into your next one, man. Yeah, man, number four, I got uh, Brad Wolf, Hunter X5, the London timeline. And uh, it got number four. I boosted it a little higher because even though it wasn't like a crazy, like, uh, like crazy, super exciting timeline, it's what it meant, man. This guy broke the mold and tried to just abandon everybody to live peacefully as a celebrity actor, living the dream. And uh, if you look at it from this way, it's kind of screwed up on Mobius and Loki because they stripped him of that. They could have just left him there, but they were trying to get information. But uh, yeah, so the Brad Wolf London timeline I thought was great. I really hope one day in the future that plot hole that we talked about last week will be answered. And whether it's an Avengers movie, whatever it is, just a little cameo. You don't even have to have him. Someone walks by like a movie theater and you just see a poster with Brad Wolf on it. It'd be awesome. Back to you, Jay Nelly. Well, we, we're back at this nonsense again of you and I lining up our rankings here because my number four spot also went to the Brad Wolf timeline in 1977, London, UK. The werewolves of London, you know, they had the movie The Zaniac 2, or The Zaniac, I mean, and they were going to make The Zaniac 2 afterwards. I thought that the timeline was cool. It was in another country. They got to see a little bit. And even when they did the whole Brad Wolf running thing, we got to see like like hooligans and alleys, even though it was uh, set up by Loki. It still was really cool. You got to see a little bit about old times, 1977, people dressed up for movie premieres outside, like I said, in London. Uh, It was just, you're right, it was important in terms of it broke the mold and he just kind of ditched his entire, his job, what he was meant to do and all that. And he's like, now I'm going to be a movie star. So, yeah, I agree. And uh, a lot of the same reasons you mentioned. And uh, obviously, we got it at the same exact spot in our rankings here. So, my number four spot goes to the Brad Wolf timeline, which was 1977 in London, UK. All right, go to your next one, dude. Good stuff, man. Number three, I have Mobius and the Wave Runner timeline where he had his children and worked at Piranha Sports. I thought it was great. I ranked it right here because I thought it was, uh, you know, right where it's meant to be, really. Like, it had that great moment of satisfaction. He finally got what he wanted. You know, he had his kids. He's living the living the easygoing life ironic because we all know uh in another franchise he was a wedding crasher so he's definitely settled down a little bit for sure but he is riding that wave runner and i think the best part about this timeline too remember he got what he wanted but not in the exact way because he was riding the wave runner like inside the store (laughs) so i thought it was great um 
And I, I think it's just great that um, Mobius, someone that's worked so hard in the TVA his whole life and really hasn't gotten to see any sort of peace, finally gets that. Uh, so for that, just for that one wholesome moment, I had to rank it at number three. What about you, Jane Ellie? Back to you. Yes, it's crazy. My number three spot was in Mobius's family timeline. It was 2022 Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know how we keep fucking doing this, dude. But uh, a lot of what you said, I thought it was really cool to see him on the timeline as the jet ski salesman. And he's got the, the, the I wouldn't say white pick offense because it seems that his wife is gone. But he's got two kids. He's doing the whole family man thing. He's not this... TVA agent who's like a secret service guy in, in intelligence and bringing the bad people in who need to who, who are off of what the sacred timeline wasn't part of the, the natural flow of time whatever no he's just this family guy he's got two kids he's a stressed out dad trying to make the bills with <laughs> selling those sporting vehicles the little jet skis and all that so yeah, I agree. It hit my number three spot as well. The Bobius's family timeline, 2022 in Cleveland, Ohio. Dive into the next one, dude. Number two, man. This is where we differ a little bit. Uh, so people know we don't make this up. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, number two. Uh, one of my faves here. Sylvia and the McDonald's timeline. You mentioned it before. I think it's fantastic. Uh, even remember when they let's even go to the point because this is about timelines not even just the moment where they first saw Sylvie at McDonald's or you first saw Sylvie at the McDonald's and gets a job there Mobius shows up and like looks around and like it's great he's like you know would you like a McDouble with a large fry or whatever and we mentioned how he was eating with Hunter X5 but it really shows in this timeline I loved it because even when Loki went back to Sylvie to try to get the whole band back together really remember they even go to the bar that was in the mcdonald's timeline and she was telling him you know uh basically like is it is it that you're this is the way you want things to be to save the universe basically or is it you're wanting your friends back and you had that big moment from loki there and then he left remember he left he he didn't come back uh with her at first and then she went into the record store and the record store that's when things got crazy and she realized you know she had to go help save the universe so for all those reasons and just think about it this way just like you said one of the most powerful gods a variant of the god of mischief himself a literal variant of that loves working at mcdonald's <laughs> like i think i think that's great that's fantastic and that's the true dream right there that's the that's the dream right <laughs> that's what they all say so uh how about how about you jay nelly back to you brother yeah so to move into my number two here my number two is the victor timely timeline the 1893 in chicago i thought this was awesome it got very close to being my number one. It, it was a coin toss between this and my number one spot. But the Victor Timely timeline here in 1893 in Chicago was great. We got to see the World Fair. We got to see the like back then what the, the, the technology was like and how Victor Timely was trying to push the envelope, but it just the, the tech wasn't caught up with how forward-thinking his mind worked. We got that Ferris wheel. We get the battles there, and it just... 
It reminded me of people, even those people with the mustaches and the top hat. It was really cool. It was, it was literally a step back in time when I we got to watch this uh, 1893 in Chicago. They had the little tents. It's almost like the circus. Like I said, it was a world fair. But then Miss Minutes comes out as the as a ghost clock. Uh, they even had the old newspaper printings and got to see that. I just really thought it was an interesting and unique build on what the timeline was like back in 1893 you think about that obviously what everything we've gone through so far for the i mean obviously we've done more in season one but in terms of season two this is as far back as we got we're not even in the 1900s you know we're in 1893 so it is old and it was cool i i like i said it got very close to taking my number one spot but it ended up falling at number two for me 1893 Chicago, Illinois, Victor Timely's timeline. Give us your top spot, my man. Perfect timing. How ironic is that? <laughs> 1893 Chicago gets my number one spot. It's amazing how close we were on these. And um, for, I mean, really the exact reasons you said, not only is it one of my favorite moments in the entire series, and I ranked it as my favorite episode, but it was super cool seeing it you know the old costumes and how everything was it was i really enjoyed remember when they first went to victor timely and found him even renslayer found him first and they followed along he was doing that like show and it was almost like in a circus in a way right and you had all the people trying to do the bidding to (laughs) try to get the uh the loom the temporal loom and everything so it was just really cool like everything that you had the uh, Chicago World Fair that was set up. The entire environment was just uh, really awesome. It, it makes me want to go do like a Gatsby party or something like that. It was really awesome. So uh, with that, you want to run through your rankings list, Jane Ellie? I'm going to go into my number one spot. My number one ranked uh, timeline for myself was the post-TVA initial destruction timeline where nobody remembers Loki and it's everybody on their what their where they were supposed to be before the TVA on their timeline. Like I said, we had B15 as some sort of medical practitioner, whether it was a nurse, doctor, whatever it may be. We had Ouroboros trying to be a best-selling author. We had Casey escaping from Alcatraz. You know, I thought all these were really cool and important because you got to see and Mobius again with him being a family man. We got to see where all of these people in the TVA got taken from and what their lives were actually like before the TVA. So I thought that was really cool. And the fact that Loki had to convince them all of a completely separate reality and bring them all together. I thought that was awesome. I thought that this it was really unique on how they brought that in. And I thought the timeline itself, I mean, it was it was pretty close to modern day. I believe it was 2022. So it was close to modern day. The timeline is we can really relate to it, obviously, being here in 2024. It wasn't that long ago. And we got to see exactly who these people were before who they were when this episode, when this series started and their TV agents. And we got to understand the timelines a little bit better and how they were taken from their initial timeline. So for me, my number one spot goes to the post TVA initial destruction timeline where nobody remembers Loki. And so I'll let you go ahead and take your five through one of the top five timelines. 
Nice. Uh, and that's why I ranked the one you ranked number one, number five, because no one remembers because I almost didn't remember you had that one. That's why. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyways, back to it. So number five for me, I put the post-TVA destruction timeline. Number four, the Brad Wolf London timeline. Number three, Mobius works at Piranha Sports and has a family timeline, if that's what you want to call it. Number two, Sylvie works at McDonald's timeline. And number one, Chicago 1893 timeline. What about you, Jay Nelly? Yeah, for me, for the top five timelines, number five went to Sylvie's McDonald's timeline, which was 1987 in Broxton, Oklahoma. My number four spot went to Brad Wolf's timeline, which was 1977 in London, UK. My number three spot went to the Mobius' family timeline, 2022 Cleveland, Ohio. My number two spot went to the Victor Timely timeline, 1893 in Chicago. And my number one spot, the post-TVA initial destruction timeline, where nobody remembers Loki. That took my number one spot there. So now, folks, we're going to be diving into our next category, We're going to be discussing our top five favorite moments in season two. And I'll go ahead and kick us off with this one. My number five spot in my top five moments in season two here is when Sylvie lets Victor Timely live instead of killing him. We get to see a little bit of some character development. And if she did kill Victor Tommy, they'd be fucked because they wouldn't be able to open the doors to the gangway. Like, forget about the throw multiplier and how the loom, if the loom destroyed, their sacred timeline would still be there. They wouldn't be able to open the doors for Loki to get out there, use his magic, destroy it, and grab all those ribbons. They wouldn't be able to because they wouldn't be able to get the doors open simply because Victor Timely wasn't able to put his head in the, the temporal aura to unlock those doors. So that's what hit my number five favorite moment. What about yours, man? What's your number five favorite moment? Number five. Now, keep in mind, it's still in my top five, but, you know, people are going to say he's so disrespectful, but there are just so many other good moments. Number five, I put Loki makes the sacrifice on the runway, you know, and you have his iconic king of mischief costume with the horns pieces the timelines together and sits on the throne so it was a big moment and i really enjoyed it like it was one of my favorite moments however uh a lot of you are gonna hate me because i ranked it so low but this is my personal list so sorry not sorry but king loki has got a nice king of number five (laughs) what about you jay nelly Moving into my number four spot, my number four favorite moment was when Docs and her Minutemen make the ultimate sacrifice and choose a painful, horrific death over joining Ravonna Renslayer. Thought that was a really difficult choice for them to make. They knew it was going to happen. They knew it was going to fucking crush all their bones and all of them destroyed together, the mix of snapping the body parts. and Oh, it's gross. But they chose that over joining Renslayer, and that, that deserves a lot of credit. So for that reason, that hit my number four spot. What about you, my man? Number four, I have the moment. uh, A lot of people won't even think about this moment too much, but I put the moment where Mobius snaps against Hunter Hunter X5. And I put that because we all thought it was going to be Loki that would snap in this moment. And it wound up being Mobius. So not only does it show... Uh, a full circle moment for Lokius, 
for, for Loki, as I merged them together, a uh, full circle moment for Loki, it was a very ironic moment for Mobius, and the torture device was badass, man. That was crazy. And uh, you got to give Hunter X5 props because he was doing what he really wanted to do. You know, the guy became an actor. He was a celebrity. And frankly, I put the blame all on Mobius and Loki for even taking him out of his timeline. Like they were the ones that should have been the box. So uh, back to you, man, for your next one. For sure. With my number three spot goes to the moment when they all yell at OB over the phone to reboot the system to take Miss Minutes offline, which also turned off the safety dampeners that prevent people from doing magic in the TVA. And so now Sylvie and Loki weren't limited to what they could do and they could use their full abilities. So that's what took my number three spot when OB went ahead and, and took that Miss Minutes offline and took the safety, safety dampeners down. And now we got a fully charged and powered and full ability usage of Sylvie and Loki. That took my number three spot, man. What about you? Badass. Number three, it wasn't like a big action-packed moment, but I mentioned it before. It's one of my favorite moments, and it's when Mobius rides the jet ski for the first time, and you think he's on the water living his dream, but the camera pans out, and he's just riding it in the Piranha Sports. And, you know, you even had Loki come in there, and he's like, remember the TVA? And he's like, he's like the tva is gone he's like don't worry i think what you mean is a tv and i got a couple upstairs (laughs) so i thought it was fantastic you know mobius gets the piece he wanted and uh and it's it's really awesome so for that i put that number three on my rankings jane ellie all right man now going into my number two my number two favorite moment is when Loki takes his place at the end of time in the chair, holding all the timeline branches in his hands, becoming the center of all realities. It's that full circle moment. He's the king that he always wanted to be. He wanted that throne. Now he's sitting on that throne. It came about in a different way. And it actually came out a very selfless way to give everyone else a chance. And I thought that was really cool. And it was cool enough for me to make my number two favorite moment in season two of Loki. What's your number two? Number two, I got when Renslayer tracks down Victor Timely and Miss Minutes, shows up with the prune stick, but right when you think the, I guess you can say the the enemy in a way, because Renslayer is kind of more out for her own good now, but I guess you can say the enemy is about to get the victory here. Sylvie, who has never exactly been the best person, shows up with the sword, and despite... What she did in season one, and we thought that's where this might go and all would be lost, she lets him go through the time door after this big showdown. And, you know, I got to throw it in there. Miss Minutes turned into the ghost clock in this episode, too, so that was cool. But that exact moment where Sylvie showed up and, you know, fought Renslayer back in a way and sent her to the end of the timeline where he remains. I put that as number two. Back to you, Jay Nelly. Yes, sir. And with my number one spot on my top five favorite moments in season two of Loki, I am giving it to that Infinity Wars moment at the end of episode four, where even after successfully launching the multiplier into the loom, it still doesn't work because of the scaling problem of infinite branches. And no matter all that effort and all that time slipping, the loom is still destroyed and it closes out with the screen going white, making the viewers believe all is lost. That hit 
my number one moment. I thought it was the most badass moment in the season. And yeah, that's my number one, brother. What's your number one? It was pretty good. It was pretty good, but I got a more badass moment. That's when they're in the Ferris wheel and they're duking it out, Sylvie and Loki. And Loki uses magic to hold Sylvie off so she can't end Victor timely right there in the Ferris wheel. And it's still in the great timeline. And I got to throw it in again. I give you a little teaser. Miss Minutes turns into the ghost clock. That was fantastic. That was my favorite moment when Miss Minutes turns into the ghost clock. And you have that full circle moment where you've seen it on the paper and you realize this whole thing has been a plan from the beginning. You have Victor Timely, got that guidebook. And that was the whole package that Rinslayer was sending, wondering why she was delivering. It was awesome. The bad guys almost had it in the bag if it wasn't for one unaccounted variable which was the variant of the god of mischief sylvie herself all right to kind of run through those moments five through one one more time my number five went to when sylvie lets victor timely live instead of killing him showed that character development and again if she did kill him they would never have got those doors open for loki at the very end to be able to get out there and do what he needed to do my number four moment is when docs and her minimum make the ultimate sacrifice and choose that box crushing death over joining Renslayer. number three is when they all yell at ob over the phone to reboot the system and take miss minutes offline and also turn off those safety dampeners that prevent them from doing magic so now sylvie and loki are at full power in the tva my number two moment is when Loki takes his place at the end of time in the chair holding all of the timeline branches, becoming the center of all realities. And my number one moment was that the ep- end of episode four where everything looked like it went to shit because even after all those attempts and finally getting it successfully into the multiplier into the loom, still didn't matter because you can't scale for infinite. And then, then that shows the ending of all of it turning white looking like the end of all before we figure out in the following episodes how they go and fix that. So those are my moments five through one. Go through your moments five through one. Number five, I got Loki makes the sacrifice for his friends and everyone in the entire universe. You have that moment where he has the iconic uh, time, I guess you can say the King of Thrones costume there. And, uh, you know, everyone got put back into their peaceful timelines. And Loki saved the day. Um, number four, Hunter X5 being tortured and Mobius goes off the rails when you, he was the one you thought would never, in the words of Mobius, has someone that wants to see that what he can do to make him tick. Well, we saw what Mobius, what it takes to make him tick there. And then number three, I got Mobius rides the jet ski, seeing a Mobius pattern. Number two, Renslayer tracks down Victor Timely and Miss Minutes, and Sylvie saves the day and makes that full circle moment, lets Victor Timely go, but shows up with the sword. You had that big showdown. And number one, I have uh, Sylvie and Loki are fighting in the Ferris wheel while Loki's trying to hold her off. So Victor Timely, she doesn't kill him again. And Miss Minutes, the ghost clock, the full circle moment from the newspaper. The plan was always there. That's my number one moment, Jay Nelly. All right, well, let's jump into our next category. It's going to be the top five villains in season two. 
And since I started us off with the last category, Chase, go ahead and give us your number five villain in season two. Top five villains. It, uh, you know, I don't have anything like a, uh, I guess like against this one. Just like I couldn't really rank it, this person any higher on my list because they played a role, but they weren't very impactful as much to me. But I put Docs. Remember in the beginning, she issued the agents to go after Sylvie. She definitely played a role there. I just feel like, in my personal opinion, I feel like we saw her a lot more last season. And there were villains here that definitely did some worse stuff. <laughs> so, then, you know, I always liked the villain. So, uh, yeah, I put Docs as number five. What about your number five, Jake Nelly? I also put Docs. And one of the worst things that she did in this season was she bombed 30% of the timelines, killing countless of people. So, yeah, that was a huge villain move. But the reason why she can't rank up higher on the villains category is that she did turn it around and she made the ultimate sacrifice when Renslayer came back and tried to gain her as an ally. So she turned to be a turned out to be a hero at the end, even though she was a villain at the very beginning of this season. So because of that... Docs hits my number five spot. What about your number four? Number four, I put He Who Remains. I mean, you would think I would rank that higher, right? Based on like how prominent of a role he is. But keep in mind, Victor Timely is not the villain. It's He Who Remains. And we saw him like during that battle with Sylvie in that episode where Loki kept trying to stop her. But we didn't see him as much as we've seen him in the past and uh of course just based on really just messing up the entire thing for everybody uh and how intellectual he is i I put him number four on my list what about your number four jay nelly number four for me i put hunter x5 mr brad wolf himself he was a little bit of a little shyster you know he had the whole plan, went along with the whole bombing of the timelines, and but he didn't want a part of it, so he just decided to break off and do his own thing as Mr. Famous Actor Boy, Mr. Brad Wolf. And then even so, he he's kidnaps Victor Timely when Timely's trying to have some hot cocoa just so that way they can get a leg up. He actually decides that he's not going to sacrifice himself with the rest of Doc's Intermittent Men, that he's going to join Renslayer, but he still doesn't do a whole lot. So that's why he doesn't get any higher on the villain list for me, but he does take my number four spot. What about your number three spot? Number three, great minds think alike. I got Hunter X5. And uh, I was, it's funny how our rankings are very close, usually. I thought about putting him at number four and then, uh, just literally recently, I decided to bump him up the list just a couple nights ago because specifically because he literally abandoned his entire team. Like, I think it's great. I mean, I think it's great. Not that I'm all for betrayal, but I think it's great. He pursued his passion and his dream and took the peaceful route. However, bro just fucking abandoned his entire squad. So... For that man, I mean that's that's as I hate to say it, but that's as low as it gets. You just left your left your boys high and dry, man. So number three, I got Hunter X five. What about your number three, Jay Nelly? Yeah, number three for me, I gave it to Ravana Renslayer. 
I debated putting her a little higher, but I think that the the other individuals I have are more impactful with their villainry, or so to speak. Just made my own word up there. But, you know, her, she sat there trying to kidnap Victor Timely. She gave the order to get all of the all, Docs and her men and men uh, killed after they wouldn't join her. She's been a villain since the very first season. It was almost the, the plot twist of season one is Renslayer was the bad guy after all, and she's been on the run, and they just had a hard time stopping her. And... That's a lot of what they've done and how they had to get to the the point where Loki was able to, you know, grab all his timelines. A lot of it was having to stop Renslayer along the way. She was the thorn in their side consistently. And like I said, she probably would have been ranked higher if I didn't think two other characters had a more villain impact than Renslayer did. So for number three, I put Ravana Renslayer. What's your number two? <laughs> you know what I was thinking when you said that? Who gave you the order? Who gave you the order? Oprah motherfucking Martell still making his appearance. <laughs> Anyways, great minds think alike, man. This is crazy. Ravana Renslayer as number two. And, uh, you know, she really is. Like, I mean, in season one, I think she definitely played a much larger role. But exactly everything you said. I mean, she tried to kill Victor Timely. She showed up with the prune stick. I mean, she really was I guess you can say I don't want to say like betrayed like the bad guys but like even crazier is like is like she went on her own plan against the bad guys and she is a bad bad person right so it's that's like ultimate you can't trust <laughs> nobody uh so i mean for that reason and you know she went with the plan with miss minutes for a while and there's just so much she's done to make an overall impact on things going in a negative way that yeah i had to put her at number two so uh, back to you jay nelly my number two spot i gave to miss minutes Miss Minutes, from all forms and all around, just was causing problems for everyone. She can shut down the technology. She has the information from He Who Remains. She knows what has happened in a lot of these different timelines. And so she can orchestrate a lot and really, really be the a blocker for the good. You remember how that she shut down the entire system. None of their temp pads are working, and they're sitting there trying to the save the loom here they're, they they think they're on the clock and miss minutes is like no i'll show you the real clock i'm the real motherfucking clock in this bitch but anyways <laughs> miss minutes was badass yeah she even decided that she was gonna fall in love with a real human she had that little confusion with the a the artificial intelligence is you know are we gonna end up seeing this in real life you know does uh, is ai gonna start coming uh in more human like who knows but yeah miss minutes just uh, every turn was thwarting the good guys until finally OB was able to reset and reprogram Miss Minutes to just be what they had intent, like the, the, the intention of her to be just gonna, an assistant artificial intelligence piece to the puzzle that is the TVA and keeping it running smoothly. But before that, she was really tough and she was given orders and, and just really orchestrating a lot of stuff on her own which is really scary seeing how she's not even a sentient being she's artificial intelligence but for me she took my number two spot on the top villains in season two 
Give us your top spot, my man. I think you know where it is. Miss Minutes, the orange clock. And uh, just like you said, man, I mean, I think it's very dangerous and conniving of her to come up with her own plans. I mean, think about it. She had that whole plan set up when Renslayer was going off on her own. So she was just like moving pieces on a chessboard, just making sure it lined up properly. So Victor timely got the package, even up to the point where she basically convinced Victor timely to <laughs> let them go solo and cut her off on the lifeboat. And then they get there together and she's over confessing her love, which I thought was really strange. But the fact that she set these whole plans up, even to the point, you know, I always say the ghost clock, not to mention a dead, not to beat a dead horse, but we saw it on the newspaper, so we know it was a plan, you know, and you kind of always thought in season one, like, maybe she's just like, just like you said, like, she was fine the way she was programmed to be, right? Like, she's just more of, like, AI technology that was set up to guide people and give you the knowledge you need and kind of be, I guess, your guide, right? Your helpful guide, like your Pokedex in a way. Well, she definitely wasn't a Pokedex because she took those fucking tin pads and turned them off and left everyone basically on their own. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it. She's just I ranked her number one because even though it's not like she showed up with like a, a prune stick and started pruning a bunch of people herself, she's very dangerous with what she can do, and she proved <laughs> until she was reprogrammed. There's no way she could be trusted. So I put number one as Miss Minutes. Back to you, Jay Nelly. My number one spot I gave to He Who Remains. And the reason I gave it to He Who Remains is because he's this evil genius puppet master. You know, we see him at the end of season one of Loki where Sylvie kills him and everything starts going to shit. And he just let it happen. And the reason he let it happen is because he knew the what was going to the, the outcome and the fallout to the point where Loki had to time slip back to that moment and he remains had to pause it and said, look, if you kill me, you see what happens. Everything ends. It's a fail safe. All the stuff you've been doing is wasting time this entire the, the, the sequence of events that you were going through. You just wasted a bunch of time because it doesn't matter. Like that is not that's not part of the, the equation remains the same. You lose and the sacred timeline stays because that's all that, that it's, it's the, this is the whole loom is for it, it will destroy all of the branches everything's gonna be gone except that sacred timeline if necessary this all happened because you killed me now if we go about it this is my way we can protect what we can we can do what we can there but you're gonna have to take out sylvie you have to kill her because she's gonna nonstop come after me and try to kill me so to make sure that everything and and people survive all your friends don't die you got to make sure that I live, man. And so this whole chess match, he did it all. He had it orchestrated perfectly the entire time. This bad, this villain. And obviously he's got variants because Loki ends up coming up with another alternative. And he who remains sits there and tells him, you're going to start a multiversal war where millions of people are going to die. You'd rather choose that over killing one individual you know, just sitting there really messing with Loki's mind and trying to make him make a decision that was his, of his own benefit. You know, for the fact of the matter is uh, he he was so confident in what he thought was going to be the outcome 
that he let Sylvie kill him without so much. You know, you saw what he could have done. He just he put his little his little device. He just paused it right there. He could have stopped Sylvie from killing him at any time. He even removed her from the room. He's like, let's get her out of here. She's in the way. She's in the eye line, and just like swiped her out of the way. So he he was just obviously the the bad guy overall, and we know that his variant Kang the Conqueror is going to end up be what well, was supposed to be building up to be the main villain of phase five of Marvel. So I, it, there's really, it's hard to say there's going to be a bigger bad guy, you know, with him and all his variants, got to kind of lump them together. And for this season two of Loki, he's the genius. He's the, he's the mad scientist. He's the, he's the head bad guy. And he had planned it all. And thankfully Loki decided to change the game and do something no one thought Loki would do. But that still doesn't take away from the fact that he who remains was the top villain in season two of Loki, in my opinion. And for me to run through my five through one quickly of our top five villains in season two, for me personally, number five, I gave to Docs. Number four, I gave to X5 or Brad Wolf. Number three, I gave to Ravana Renslayer. Number two, I gave to Miss Minutes. And he who remains took my number one spot of top five villains here in season two. What about yours, man? Run through yours five through one. Number five, I have Docs. Number four, he who remains. Number three, Hunter X5. Number two, Renslayer. Number one, Miss Minutes. I like it. All right, we're going to move on into our final category of top five rankings here today we're gonna have our top five favorite characters in season two chase kicked us off for our last category i'll go ahead and jump into this one for this category my number five character that i thought was in in terms of ranked order I, i do like this character a lot but this is favorites and i did have a few that ranked ahead but she is a fantastic character and by she i mean sylvie sylvie takes my number five spot in my favorite characters of season two she has a lot of big moments she's even the one that really convinces loki that you need to give everyone a chance like let us die fighting and let us die trying you can't just make this decision where you know you take everyone's free will away and just that's it like you know but she also had the moment where she allowed victor timely to leave she decided not to kill ravana renslayer she has kicked her through a time door back to he remains his timeline she showed up in a lot of big moments and she's very integral to the storyline and again i thought it was wildly ironic that she is an actual god in the marvel universe and she decided that her life's happiness would be working at mcdonald's (laughs) but yeah so there's a lot of great silly moments she had a lot of great action she is a badass kicked a lot of ass but still she only ranked number five on my top five favorite characters of season two chase what's your number five ranking for favorite characters number five i put hunter x5 (laughs) ironically and uh I put him there just because I think it was great. Uh, Really, I mean, I don't think it's great he betrayed people, but at the same time pursued his dream and became an actor. And, uh, you know, I mean, I really don't agree that they should have tortured him like they did. But, no, props to Hunter X5, man, because... 
he became the movie actor he wanted. So for that reason alone, I put him as number five on my list. What about your number four, Jay Nelly? Number four for me, I gave it to Victor Timely. I thought he was a really interesting character, and he did resonate with me a little bit. I just loved the little awkwardness, him talking with the stutter, even though he was a brilliant genius. You know, he his understanding of physics was almost unrivaled, but he was also a swindler. He's a, a sleazy salesman. His stuff didn't actually work because the technology hadn't caught up with the times yet, so he's selling <laughs> shit that doesn't work to people. For back then, what was the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of dollars? You know, I know the guy only gave him a thousand dollars for his for like that loom prototype that he had, but a thousand dollars in 1893. That's like what? Guys, gotta be close to the equivalent of, uh, I would say, close to a hundred thousand. I don't know for sure, but in any event, that's a lot of money for the time to buy something that doesn't work. He's this little swindler <laughs> running away from people, and you can tell because he's screwed a lot of people over. Because another person came over and said, "Hey, your thing's not working." He's like, "Oh no, I'll, I'll take a look at it this next week. I'll, I'll come in Monday. We'll take a look at it." So he consistently is making money off of stuff that doesn't work. His inventions that don't work, and he knows they don't work. I thought that was really cool, but he is a genius. He understands physics to a, a crazy degree because of the book that got the dropped in his lap. Not really his lap, but through his window, I guess I can say. And uh, just uh, he, he's so dynamic of a character from being socially awkward, having the stutter, but being brilliant and also having the courage to help out when he doesn't even know what's going on. He couldn't be more different from he who remains but is a direct he who remains variant and I thought that was really cool so he took my number four spot number four again goes to victor timely what about you brother number four i put miss minutes <laughs> and uh yeah she's one of my favorite characters just for the fact of uh she's a conniving uh i mean you can really say like even worse than a swindler traitor <laughs> that's exactly what she is and uh the fact that how dangerous she is can come up with her own plans but also because she's not even an entity she can change forms <laughs> you know she turned into the ghost clock but she came up with all these different plans on her own and she's just so unpredictable that i had to put her on my list so number four was miss minutes what's your next one jay nelly Moving into my number three spot, I gave it to Loki. This is a good spot to put Loki in, very middle of the pack, because there's other characters in this season where I, I just thought they were a personal favorite of mine. Loki's still there, and Loki is clearly the see, the series is named after him. So he's, he's supposed to be the focal point, and you know, I, ideally people want to follow his story, and I like him. I think he does a lot of great things, and his character progression is insane from where he started way back in the first Avengers, so I think he's great, but he doesn't rank any higher because there's a couple of characters I like a little bit more in this series specifically, and it's nothing against Loki at all. Number three is not a bad space when there's only two other characters I can think of that I, I enjoy more, but yes, he gets my number three spot. He's integral to the storyline, makes a lot of hard decisions, you know, and obviously without him, a lot of shit's fucked. Right, so yeah, let's give Loki his flowers. But at the same time, he hits number three, and I just only and it's like we say it's our personal favorites here. So some people are gonna be like, really, that's pretty low for the primary character, and and I get it. But 
I'll give you my reasons on my other ones that I ranked a little bit higher when we get there. So for me, my number three spot went to Loki. What about you? Number three went to Mobius, man. Mobius is my guy. And uh, just because, you know, I mean, all the work he did in the TVA, but then when we found him in his timeline, he finally got what he always wanted all along, was just to live a peaceful life riding a jet ski. But then he even made that decision to go with Loki and take the risk to protect his own family. So, And then at the end, you have that full circle moment where he really missed Loki there. And um, just, I mean, all the variants of Mobius are fantastic. So I had to put Mobius as number three on my list, Jay Nelly. For me, going into my number two spot, I put Mobius. I think I like Mobius a little bit more than I like Loki. I think Mobius is such an interesting character. You know, when this whole series started out, the fact that Owen Wilson is the one portraying Mobius, he does such a phenomenal job. He's such a good actor. His timing and his delivery with his lines is almost second to none, dude. He just, he does such a great job. Like, I'm captivated everything that Mobius says and, and how he, like I said, you, you're on the edge of your seat every time he talks is he's going to say something cool. And just the way he goes about it, he's got that cool sense of humor that really, it's almost self-deprecating, but kind of fun. He tries to build other people up. He's just, I don't know how to explain it, but I just really, really enjoy Mobius's character. And he's someone that doesn't have any special powers. He's not a god. He can't do magic. He's just an older guy sitting there trying to keep up with supernatural abilities of multiple people and just trying to keep pace. And, you know, the fact that he's so well-respected and is able to really, you know, everyone does take him into account when they're going over stuff and they do listen to him and value him. It speaks a lot to who he is and his character. And also, obviously, it is fun to see, you know, his whole thing about the, the, the jet ski coming full circle and that's what he was doing on the timeline, selling those vehicles. And he's got two in his garage and all that. So they, they did a good job on the writing for Mobius. But I just, I think Mobius's character is phenomenal and I really enjoy him and, like I said, Owen Wilson specifically, I don't think anyone could play that character any better, dude. So, for me, Mobius hit my number two spot. What's your number two spot? Number two, I put Loki, the god of mischief, man. And uh, just for everything he's done, I mean, in the words of Jay Nelly, did a 180, not a 360 this time. Um, yeah, he, he he's turned a new leaf, and... Now we see the good version of Loki, and even towards the end when he was time-slipping, comes back into uh, the table with Mobius, and he's like, I want to know what makes, you know, you want to know what makes me tick, and then it's kind of like now, like, we want to know what makes Mobius tick, and we found out, and it's, um, you know, it really is a beautiful character arc, is what I would say, of how Loki was because if you look way back just like we mentioned all the time in Avengers and the true villain he really was looked at and how he slowly progressed and but it really took until his own series to make this change like before he was really more of like one of those kind of straggler characters that really looked out for his own and now he's looking out for his team with that ultimate sacrifice he made of becoming king of the timelines really is what you can say and so uh for that reason loki's my number two back to you jay nelly yes sir for my number one spot on my top five favorite characters in season two of loki 
It is going to Ouroboros. My man, oh, Ouroboros. No. Yeah, dude. OB, he was a, such a fun character. The introduction to him. Talk about someone who, without him, they're screwed, man. Loki never know, learns all there is to know about physics and engineering and, and mechanics without OB. OB is a genius. He builds stuff that would take most people decades and centuries and lifetimes to make he does it in 40 minutes he's he's an absolute genius he wrote the tva handbook everything there functions because of him and he's so awkwardly funny dude he's just such an interesting character he sits there and asks for an autograph when the shit's about to go explode he's like oh victor timely i just love this can you can you inscribe my handbook dude, he's hilarious and he like there's been multiple times where he just says like the most off the wall nonsense he's like hey what's more important like do you guys want me to fix a, this temp pad or like should i focus on the loom that's going to kill us all and he's like dead serious he's like dude no like the loom like, you gotta like, like focus on that we'll we'll figure out the the, the handbook stuff dude you just <laughs> relax so and then the fact where he goes back and where he's at on the real timeline and Ouroboros' real life before the TVA. He's a, he's an author who's trying to sell his books. He goes into the library, tries to check them all out, and none of them are scanning, and he's trying to buy his own his own stuff. I, dude, it's amazing. If you're not going to support yourself, who's going to support you? I think Ouroboros had the coolest little story. He came in off the wall out of nowhere, never expected this kind of character, and the fact that he resonated as well as he did, I think he really hit home with the audience. It was really impressive. He took my number one spot, man. Again, number one goes to Ouroboros. What's your number one, dude? Yeah, man. Man, I thought great minds were going to think alike, but apparently they will not. Number one is Sylvie. Let's go. Sylvie's saving the day. Always. Even though they had to track her down. Let's think all the way back to the very end. She's the one that showed up in the elevator. She chose to come on back. She could have just dissolved in the timeline at the record store, but she didn't. She chose not to kill Victor Timely again. Granted, you can say she's the one that got them all in this situation. But if it wasn't for Sylvie, they would all be in a gigantic mess. And, uh, you know, just the way she is, like this powerful variant. But she's in on her own, right? And I would say that... She's one of the most unique characters I've ever seen. She kicks ass. She's intelligent. And in the end, she still wants to work at McDonald's. So I put Sylvie as my number one. Uh, go through your ranking list, Jay Nelly. Yes, sir. All right. To rank my top five favorite characters in season two, five through one. Five for me goes to Sylvie. Four, Victor Timely. Three, Loki. Two, Mobius. And number one, Ouroboros. What about you, man? Go through yours five to one. Number five, I have Hunter X5. Number four, I have Miss Minutes. Number three, Mobius. Number two, Loki. And number one, Sylvie saving the day. Back to you, Jay Nelly. Yes, sir. And that completes all of our categorical rankings. But before we dive out of here today and move on from Loki season two, I got one thing that I want to do real quick. I, I, there's something I just haven't been able to do in quite some time, and that's play the great debate card. Throwing that down here, the great debate card. What I want to debate with you here to, before we close out, I want to ask you who the MVP of Loki Season 2 is. 
for the MVP on my end, man, that's easy. That's hands down. Someone you're not thinking of. I mean, I kind of might know who you're thinking of, but it's definitely not what the audience, our fans here are thinking. Sylvie, MVP, baby, let's go. Greatest character in the entire series. She's intelligent. She wants to work at McDonald's. She's powerful. She saved the day because in the very end, Rovana Rinslayer was coming after everybody and she showed up with the sword and she could have killed Victor Timely in front of everybody and she chose to let him go through the time door if Victor Timely gets stabbed by Sylvie and she does it again and she doesn't make the choice on her own to go against her own previous wishes then everyone is screwed again even though she's the one that got them into this situation doesn't matter she's her own mvp because she created the game she created the chessboard it goes to sylvie most valuable player most valuable character most valuable variant most valuable in the entire multiverse series goes to sylvie what are your thoughts jay nelly i will say sylvie's a very important character but she's not the MVP, man. What could have happened here? Like, I'd have to answer the question, it's not close. The MVP is Loki. And the reason why is because when he learned how to control his time slipping, everything changed. So he could realistically go back to that time. If you, in, in your mind, if, he, if Sylvie chose to kill Victor Timely, he could have kept time slipping back to that time and stopped her from killing him. And he could have done it, whatever he needed to do. He nonstop went back so many times and tried to find so many different ways to make sure they all survived and that it all worked out. He went back in time, learned all there is to learn about physics and engineering and all that great stuff. He took centuries to learn it. And then when they saved the loom, it still wasn't enough because you can't scale for infinite. The loom broke anyways. So then he goes back and tries to stop Sylvie from killing who remains, has this big conversation with him, realizes he's got to kill Sylvie or else it's all fucked. Then he goes to talk to Sylvie. Sylvie does give him a little bit of her mindset on, on how she believes that they could really... They should have their own option to fight and die on their own and that they need a chance to do so. So what's he do? He changes the entire equation. He opens there, go he Thomas goes back, ends up going through the doors, breaking the loom, and grabbing all of the branches. Without him, none of these branches survive. All the it's all dead except the sacred timeline anyways, and all these people and all their lives are just gone without Loki and he sits there he makes the ultimate sacrifice his story comes full circle he now is sitting on the throne he is the king not in the way that he thought but in the way that matters they all have a chance to survive and fight and find variants and take them out because Loki made the ultimate sacrifice grabbing those branches using his magic to keep them alive they're all there because Loki made a tough choice he is the MVP in my eyes. Agree to disagree, man. And and, in my words is, you know, he went all the way back to the he who remains at the very end of the sacred timeline and couldn't stop Sylvie then. So if Sylvie chose to kill Victor Timely, who's to think he could stop her then? Which means who's to think he could slip back there? Maybe he couldn't, maybe he would never figure out his time slipping. 
in the end, it's all about Sylvie. Yeah! Yeah! But agree to disagree, sir. Agree to disagree. Sir, Loki, he is now the god of the realities. And he became <laughs> the god he needed to be. He said, I know what I want, and I know the kind of god I need to be. And now he's that guy holding the realities together. Without him, it's all gone to shit. But in any event... That was, you know, I think that is a great place to kind of leave off for the day. You know that these rankings episodes are always super, super fun. And if this is your first time joining us, we really hope you enjoy what you heard today and stick around. If you have been here from the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you want to follow along and find us, we're online everywhere. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus. We're on TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus. We've got a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We got a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, a Ridiculous Patronus. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. We're on Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. And we do have our own website, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com as well. So please leave written reviews, give us star ratings, leave comments. I, whatever all the engagement that you provide us is super important to us here on this show so please continue to do so click like subscribe and follow along and then in terms of the podcast where you can find the podcast if you're an apple user you can find us on apple podcast if you're an android user you can find us on google play we're also on spotify we're on amazon music we're on audible we're on stitcher we're on Acast. we're on our host site podbean iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast chase and josh factor fantasy are there we're out for the day this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, signing, signing off. off.